uh, Daryl or Tom dying a bit of a year, over a year ago, I guess it is now. And uh, she's still suffering a great deal as a result of his death. And this put an extra nervous strain on her. She says, I hope I don't go nuts. And I told her she wouldn't, but uh, nonetheless, we could keep Linda in our prayers just as a reminder that she has gone through an awful lot uh, in the last year and more. Now, I'm going to interrupt the sermon series that we have going in Ecclesiastes because there's something I want to address here uh, that could have some bearing very shortly upon us. I'm not going to make any necessarily specific prophecies, but I'm going to present some information to you for your perusal, for your consideration, and perhaps you can draw your own conclusions. I'll try not to uh, pinpoint it too much, but some of it is pretty well pinpoints itself, I think. Now, you will recall that Herbert Armstrong always said that the feast days represent a 7,000-year plan of God. Uh, people, <clears throat> people have begun to make light of that, saying that we've already been here more than 6,000 years. There's a voluminous writer I know who says we're already past that, we better refigure, uh, who is or was a minister in the Church of God. But I still believe that it is true. Uh, Numbers 14.34 tells us a day is as a thousand years. And uh, the seven-day week, Hebrews 4 points out pretty clearly, is representative of the plan of God. So that's why the seventh-day Sabbath is so important, it not being on Sunday or Wednesday or Friday, but it comes on the seventh day of the week, even as the millennium comes after 6,000 years and is the 7,000-year seven, period of time in God's plan. Now, I've done a chart here, which I just passed out, or had passed out to uh, the locals. Uh, some of this information came to me, well, over a period of time, but it sort of coalesced a few months ago. And I've kind of sat on it. Uh, you'll see, I think, for obvious reasons. Uh, but I think it could tie together with events of the past and give us a whole picture of how God's plan is being worked out. Now, if you look at the chart there, uh, it's laid out on the far right uh, that should say, it uh, looks like I made a two, it should be a seven on the far right, 7,000 years from creation week until Christ returns. Uh, well, no, 6,000 years, I'm sorry. It should say 6,000 years because the millennium then is the 7,000 year period and this chart only comes down to a time that is possibly his return. So from creation week to... Uh, 2027 is 6,000 years. Now, how did I derive that? If you go up almost to the top of the chart on the second line, you'll see 26 to 27 A.D. Now, in 26, Christ was preparing and actually apparently began his ministry in 27 A.D. 
the scholars pretty well agree on that being the case. So, uh, we can go to Luke and another passage along with Ezekiel 1 and 40, and we can see uh, that he proclaimed the Jubilee that year. He called it the acceptable year of the Lord. So, if he, he was proclaiming a Jubilee on 27 A.D., a time when there would be freedom and liberty and so on uh, for the whole world. And that's what a Jubilee is supposed to represent, is freedom from debt, freedom from difficulty, and to get back to the way things ought to be. Well, uh, the Garden of Eden was an example of the way things ought to be, right? And that was quickly destroyed, and we've had almost 6,000 years now of violence and uh, disobedience and sin, with Satan ruling and being the prince of the power of the air. So, if Christ was uh, proclaiming the Jubilee in 27 A.D., which I think is very clear that he was, and we've talked about that before in depth, people wonder, well, when was creation week? And different scholars have come up with uh, 4,024 B.C., 4,025, 4,004 B.C. The Jews come up with, I think, something like 3780-something. I forget now. But they it's a little shorter time that the Jews have. Well, if there be a 6,000-year plan, I think it is extremely easy to see when Creation Week was because the Jubilees come in 50-year increments. So if you simply count back 4,000 years in 50-year uh, increments, you come to 3973 B.C., which isn't too far from what the Jews have come up with using, using different reasoning. So if a day is, a, is as a year, and if the feast days represent a 7,000-year plan, then it's pretty easy to see the creation was in 3973 B.C. Now, I'll add one comment to that. Uh, some scholars say you have to add or subtract a year going from A.D. to B.C. back and forth because there was no year zero. Uh, other scholars argue that you don't add or subtract a year, that there was a year zero. So it's kind of pick them among the scholars themselves. So there could be a one-year uh, difference there, depending on whether you count year zero or not. And it doesn't matter for our purposes here today. But let's say approximately 3973 could be a year off from that uh, in counting, because Christ proclaimed that in 27 A.D., so, from 27 A.D. back to 3973, you have 4,000 years, four days in a prophetic sense. Then, uh, counting forward from there, you have a 1900-year period of relative silence. Uh, and Herbert Armstrong proclaimed that the truth of God had not actually been proclaimed and preached for 1,900 years until he began to do so. Okay? Uh, that was his take on it. Now, Herbert Armstrong was not a bit bashful when it came to proclaiming that God had 
had appointed him to do a work here in the end time. Uh, he, he referred to these years quite a bit. He referred to what he called the 19-year time cycles between when the church was actually begun, he said, in 1931 to 1953, when it had a leap forward going into Europe and the world to Asia and so on. And then another 19 years was supposed to take us to 72, which would have begun the tribulation in his estimation in Christ returning in 75. Well, it didn't work out that way, and since then we've realized that there is no perfect 19-year cycle in the heavens. It can come close, but it is not a perfect 19-year cycle. So that did not apparently work out, and as we look back, we'll find that it isn't necessary that it worked out, although that 19 years did have some play in terms of my mic off. It did have some play in terms of, uh, of advancements in the work that Herbert Armstrong was doing. So, I've drawn a parallel chart here from left to right, and I want to go through this with you and point out some things. Now, uh, in 1924, Herbert Armstrong's business, which was then in Iowa, he had been in Chicago and Illinois earlier, but he was in Iowa at the time, and his business had failed and was not doing very well at all. His wife convinced him to go on a vacation to Oregon, and once he got... I did some reading in the autobiography to, to remember some of these details, and many I'll forget, but, uh, but he moved to Oregon on a vacation, and Loma had decided when she convinced him to go on a vacation, that they were not ever going to come back. But she did not enunciate that to him. Uh, she just worked behind the scenes. You know, one woman said, I may not be the head, but I'm the neck. I turn the head wherever I want it to go. Uh, so Loma was working on getting him out to Oregon to stay, actually, as he termed it in the autobiography later on. But anyway, they moved to Oregon in 1924 and had a fresh start in business uh, and stayed there. Now, I'm going to parallel some events that happened 70 years later, from 1924. Now, in uh, 1994, I was involved as half-owner in a business that I got involved in, I believe, in 1991. We were living in Alaska at the time, and a member of the church I had known many years before had convinced me to invest in his business down in Nevada. Uh, he had a subdivision and a mobile home dealership and so on. So I was convinced to go to Nevada on this new business. We wound up with a, a mobile home sales lot in uh, Las Vegas, and then bought another subdivision in Beaver Dam, Arizona, <clears throat> which I went down to run in about 1993, I guess it was. Now, I'd left Marla and the family in Alaska. I did not intend a, uh, a permanent move, and I'd been promised that we'd be making so much money I could fly home every weekend to Alaska, and of course that didn't happen. But uh, by 1994... I could see that the business essentially had failed. 
Uh, it didn't do what he had proclaimed that it would do. So in late 1994, I went back to Alaska to start over uh, my life there after having had difficulties there in Arizona. Now, it was at that time also in 1994 that I woke up one morning in Beaver Dam, Arizona and had, I don't know whether to call it a vision or a dream. Uh, it was kind of as I was waking up. And the message was that I was to prepare a place for God's people near where I was. And that was Beaver Dam, Arizona. It was a very, very vivid dream. And uh, I didn't put that here on the chart. <clears throat> I should have, I guess. And it scared me greatly. And I thought, why would God want a place prepared next to Beaver Dam, Arizona, or near there? I'd been up to visit Zion National Park on Sabbath sometimes and thought what an awesome and beautiful creation of God it was, but it never occurred to me that it might have any end-time significance whatsoever. That's how smart I was. But anyway, that dream came in 1994. At the same time, the business failed, and I decided to go back to Alaska for good, uh, having resigned from my position in that business, and uh, to start over with business in Alaska. And that's as far as I thought. And this, the, the dream about preparing a place near Beaver Dam had sort of been put on the back burner because I'd gone out right after that and looked around here or there trying to figure out what it meant. And I couldn't find a place that I thought fit what had been revealed in that dream. Anyway, in 1926 and 27, Herbert Armstrong began to be called and began to study very, very deeply into the Bible. His wife had challenged him on the Sabbath, which he said he was going to disprove. Uh, but during that period of time, he proved the Sabbath was on the seventh day, or Saturday, and he was also baptized during that period of time. Now, in January of 96, uh, I had just moved to Charlotte, North Carolina to work for Church of the Great God and reported for work on January 1st. And during that month of January, I had a very, very vivid dream again that uh, involved the minor prophets in the message that I began to preach soon thereafter. And uh, that was the basis of people coming to this group, was that minor prophet series, because it was new understanding and knowledge that I had not never had before, and indeed no one in the church that I know of uh, had viewed it in the way that it was explained there that the prophets all had to do, first of all, with the church, and as a second fulfillment, they had to do with the nation and the world. Now, Herbert Armstrong had said <clears throat> fairly frequently that the Bible was written for the church. Now, the understanding I was given in that dream or vision in January, second or third week, uh, was that the message was first to the church, then to the nation, which fit exactly what Herbert Armstrong had said. The Bible was written for the end-time church. I think that's, even within the Bible, that is known to be true, because 
Paul said that it was written for those upon whom the ends of the age would come. So the Bible itself says the Bible was written for us here at the end time and brought forward to us. <clears throat> anyway, I had that new information and a calling that went with it to uh, disseminate this new understanding. Now, Herbert Armstrong had the same experience 70 years earlier. Uh, God had revealed the Sabbath and other things to him, and then he felt that he was called to begin to preach that. Okay? Also, in, in 1996, on what turned out, as we later learned, the day of Passover, uh, Passover day, right after the uh, Passover service the night before, I was in Chicago for the Passover season and was preparing a sermon for what I thought at that time was the uh, first day of unleavened bread the next day. Uh, and I fell off asleep, and as I woke up, there was a, couldn't call it anything but a vision, of two maps that appeared. And one was of the Middle East and Israel in specific, and the other was of essentially the state of Utah plus. And the perception was that the map of the Middle East was a fake of the map of Utah and its environs. That uh, that land over there was not the promised land, but over here was. And it's near, it showed to be near, where I'd had the dream uh, in Beaver Dam, Arizona. And in that dream, it showed... Sea of Galilee in the Middle East, Bear Lake on the Idaho border of Utah, and it showed uh, the Jordan Rift Valley and the uh, the Wasatch Range coming down through the middle of of uh, Utah. It showed Moab, Utah, the only place on earth named Moab, uh, and we always thought that the nation of Jordan was Moab and Ammon off to the east. Uh, it showed uh, the Dead Sea and the salt, Great Salt Lake, and the Little Salt Lake, for that matter, just north of Cedar City. <clears throat> it showed Sodom and Gomorrah, and it showed L.A. And, and Las Vegas. It showed the Gulf of Aqaba and uh, the Gulf of California. It showed Zion, and it showed Petra. And the, the whole perception was that the Middle East was a fake of the true original which was here. That was given on what we later learned was the Holy Day, Passover Day, uh, that year in 1996. That was 70 years after Herbert Armstrong was given the knowledge of the Sabbath and other things and was given the commission for the New Testament church. Also, it was 1900 years after Christ had made the proclamation. So exactly 1,900 years, and that's divided up equally in Jubilee years. Then Christ began the New Testament church in 19, I mean in uh, 31 A.D., and 1,900 years later, in 1931, is a year Herbert Armstrong says in the autobiography, the end time work began. So the same time that Christ began a work in the, uh, the uh, original apostles, 1,900 years to the year later, he caused Herbert Armstrong to begin 
an end-time work. Now, I'd been given information in 1996, but 70 years from 1931, in 2001, uh, we began moving to Utah, some of us as a group. I, I began actually at the feast in 2001, brought a load with me from Colorado. Why? To begin a new work in the area of the promised land that God had showed us was to be the place to be. He told us to move from the cities and go dwell in the wilderness there in Malachi 4, not Malachi, Micah 4, uh, and there we would, be, we would be delivered. So we came. So he had begun a new work in 1931, and we formally began it with a move to actually do something in 2001. We had formed as an organization at Trumpets in 2000, but it was just a uh, phone broadcast, and we went to the feast, but nothing was formally actually done other than meeting. But in 2001, we began to actually move and to begin to do the work that was laid out. Now, in 1933, uh, Radio Church of God was incorporated. So he says that the work actually began in his preaching in 1931 as a work, but the formal beginning uh, was in 1933. Uh, just as uh, in Acts 2, the apostles were organized to begin to do some work. Of course, that was in 31. Uh, in fact, that that line down there should be up a line. In 1931 is when Acts 2 uh, organized the work. So, uh, Herbert Armstrong organized it uh, four years after it had been formally organized in Acts 2. And we began 70 years later in 2001 to formally organize in coming out here to live. Uh, radio and the plain truth began in 34, and nothing came particularly to mind as a parallel there 70 years later. There might be something I've overlooked or missed or hadn't thought of, I don't know. But here was something that really leaped out at me. Uh, in 1936 and 37... Herbert Armstrong tried to establish a, a work in the Middle East at Jerusalem, and it utterly failed. Now, I had not come across this in the autobiography, or hadn't noticed it in particular, but I thought, we learned about the original Jerusalem being in southern Utah the last days of December 06 and in January of 07 went to visit it. And I thought, that was an important move forward in understanding. How, how could that parallel anything from the past? Then is when I got out the autobiography and started going through the timeline that Herbert Armstrong was laying out. And lo and behold, he said in 1936, a man convinced him that since Jerusalem was in the Middle East and Israel, that he should begin a work in Jerusalem. So, after talking it all over and discussing it, he commissioned this fellow to establish a work in the Middle East in Jerusalem. And this went on into 1937, and it absolutely, utterly failed. Nothing would happen. No door would open. 
And in fact, if we look back from today, there never was any work established in Jerusalem in the Middle East. There was never even a church congregation there under the auspices of the Worldwide Church of God. Some individuals have gone over there in the last few years and tried to establish something. But something that God had called, specifically through Herbert Armstrong, utterly failed. Now, let's put that together. Seventy years later, to the year, God showed us the true Jerusalem. And that true Jerusalem is where a work is going to be done. The building of the temple and the building of Jerusalem before the uh, uh, tribulation starts. Now, why did it fail in that Jerusalem? Because it's not the true Jerusalem. It's not the original place. Now he showed us the original place 70 years later. Well, that just nearly blew my mind when I read that in the autobiography based on what we had learned, and it was 70 years earlier. Now, I won't draw the point too fine here. You think about it. Now, in 1946, he began to understand that the work could not go forward unless it got bigger, and unless he had a ministry trained to take care of local congregations that might spring up. Because when he would go on an evangelistic campaign up in Oregon and uh, so on, uh, people would come and they would listen and they'd hear and they liked what they heard and some were baptized, but without a local congregation, they would drift away. And it became a very great concern of his that he was just spinning his wheels. People would come and then they would go. So he went through that experience over and over again and decided, I need to build a college to train ministers so that I will have people to support those local congregations, uh, even as that was done in the early New Testament church. The apostles went out and ordained elders, trained them and ordained them to take care of local congregations. That's the way God did it uh, in the early New Testament church. So Herbert Armstrong was simply following through with what had been done in the time from 1931 on. I mean, from 31 on. So he began a church knowing that he needed to gather some people together for a bigger work. So he established a college in 1947 to just do that. Now, let's fast forward 70 years to something that has not happened, but could. Uh, 47 is, I should have put the date in there, uh, 2017 is 70 years later. Now, is this the year that will begin the events toward a gathering and a greater work? We already know from many scriptures that God is going to, was going to decimate and spew out worldwide uh, because it died, it was Sardis, and a 10% faithful remnant would be retained and gathered from the book of Haggai and other places, Isaiah 6 and other places. 10% would gather to do another work. Now, is that time very, very near? Now, something we need to consider here is uh, 
see, John. Do I have the updated chart? Because I added... Yeah, yeah, okay. It's down further, but let's consider at this point. Do we consider the Gregorian calendar and man's calendar that goes from January to January? Or do we consider God's year, which goes from April to April? That's a question mark. I don't necessarily know, but it could have some bearing on some of the next information that we're about to consider here. So, from 1947, when the college began as a gathering for a bigger work, to train men to do a bigger work and to take care of the work, uh, from 2017, if these parallels are lining up at all, we should begin to see, and we're halfway through 2017 now, or if you consider God's calendar, 2017 might end in April of 18. So there's, there's something to play with there a little bit in terms of time. But is the gathering of Haggai then, and the events leading up to it, going to begin later this summer, or fall, or early next year? Because we have some information that indicates uh, time of year that these things will occur. <clears throat> now consider uh, 2017 a little bit. Well, let's let's go let's let's go on through this. It's, we'll get down to the next section and consider some more things on that. But there's a 70-year parallel there if something begins in 2017. Now, in 1953, <coughs> 19 years after the church was organized in 31 or in 33, when it was actually organized, I guess it was. Or how did he count that? Uh, anyway, open the. I guess it was from the time in 1934, yeah, when the PT and the uh, broadcast on the radio began. Uh, 19 years later, the broadcast went to Europe and to Asia, began to preach to not just the United States and Canada and Mexico, but to the world. Uh Seventy years later <clears throat> would bring us to 2023, right? Is that the year that the witness begins to go to the world and the tribulation begins? Just leave that as a question mark in your mind, considering these 70-year increments. We'll examine some more information that might show that that is very, very likely to happen when we get a little further down in uh, this chart. Now, in 1986, in January, Herbert Armstrong died. <clears throat> Ten years later, Worldwide Church of God in 1996 died. I think we've seen now that Worldwide Church of God was actually Sardis, that Thyatira was Seventh-day Church of God before that. Philadelphia had not really begun uh, in Laodicea, Sardis, uh, Laodicea came out of Sardis in that God blew it all apart. And Philadelphia is to be that 10% remnant that comes together to do the final work. It is the only one that God says will be kept from tribulation. And the 10% <coughs> that come to build the temple are the only ones that God says will be protected from the tribulation. So that 10% has to represent the Philadelphia church. In other words, the Philadelphia church despite the proclamations of many, really is not yet truly in existence. 
could be the very beginnings are, but not in existence until that 10% comes together and the leadership is there that they come to. So Philadelphia is sandwiched in between Sardis and Laodicea <coughs> with people from both of those eras comprising it. And it will be protected from tribulation. So, ten years after Herbert Armstrong died, <coughs> Worldwide Church of God essentially died. Now, if we look to the left there again, the second line from the left, if we figure 40 years from the time Herbert Armstrong died as a minor type of Moses, not the final Moses of Malachi, <coughs> that's one of the two witnesses. Uh, but he was a minor type in that he formed the church in this end time, 19 years, 100 years after the early New Testament church began. Now, if you take the time of his death and count 40 years, you will come to 2026, which at trumpets, Feast of Trumpets, might represent the first resurrection and going into the true promised land. Now, from his death... Death of Moses originally was at the end of what? Forty years of wandering. So we have been wandering in a spiritual desert from the time Herbert Armstrong died until Feast of Trumpets 2026. I think that's an incredible number to consider. Forty years of wandering in a spiritual desert. Remember Amos said there that uh, there would be a famine of the Word, uh, a desert of the Word. I think it's Amos 8 or 9, whichever it is. So we have a, a very important 40 years there that it seems to appear. Now, I compacted 4,000 years in a short line from 27 back to creation week, and then I compacted the 1,900 years between Christ's proclamation in 27 of the Jubilee to Herbert Armstrong's uh, calling and baptism in 27 when he was given new knowledge of a work that needed to be done and a calling. So that's just a short period of time. But from the 1926 clear down to 2027, I made a long line in there because there are a lot of events, but that only represents 100 years, as you see on the third line in from the left. From 1926 and 27 to 2027, 100 years. Now that represents uh, 6,000 years from creation. Four before Christ's proclamation in 27, and 2,000 years to the year after his proclamation of the Jubilee. Would make it a Jubilee again in 2027. So let's consider more in this 100-year period from, from Herbert Armstrong's calling to atonement of 2027. Also notice in 1996 on that line... The church, essentially, Sardis, died at that time. And January of 96 is when the new information about a new work, the church and the minor prophets, was given. Now, we've had this 70-year time lapse between all these events above there, but the timeline uh, ends or merges in 1996. No 70-year gap, but real time starts again, okay? 
Herbert Armstrong, I mean, the church died, 96, Sardis. And at that same year, 70 years later, I mean, same, same year that it died, new information was given for the end-time church, the latter temple of Haggai and Zechariah, was given an understanding of the minor prophets. So when one died, the information for the new began. I find that interesting. And then the timeline is the same, 96 and 96. Now we have some events that occurred uh, that we've already discussed on the upper right that were parallels of the 70 years right after Herbert Armstrong had certain events that all matched 70 years later. So we won't go back through those between that line of 96 and down to 2017, but that's where we are today. Now let's consider some things about the year 2017. And that's one year, one reason I was sort of moved to give this sermon today is to understand where we could be in terms of all these prophecies uh, that may have occurred and are occurring. Uh, the Roanoke Colony was begun on July 22, 1587. And according to historians, it is very likely that that colony survived. They apparently moved from where they were and left uh, an inscription in a tree that they had left. But those who came, I think it was the very next year, to find them, couldn't find them, and they did not take the time. I believe there was a storm coming in, as I recall, or something. They did not take the time to go where the message on the tree told them to go. So they didn't check to see if they survived or not, but the historians believe that they probably did survive based on what was left as a witness there with a cross on a tree. And they were supposed to leave a different message if they were attacked and looked like they were going to be killed. And that was not there. I don't remember all the details, but uh, anyway... Consider July of 1587, and I, they did a say that they arrived at Roanoke, Roanoke on the 22nd of July from England. Well, 430 years from that date is 2017. We'll be coming up on July 22nd pretty quick if it's the self-same day that something happens. But you'll remember that they went into, Jacob obviously went into uh, Mitzrayim, where Joseph was on Passover of, uh, of the year he went in. Because it says that they came out of Mitzrayim on the self-same day, 430 years later. So if they came out on Passover on the exact same day that Jacob went in, he went in on Passover of uh, 430 years prior to that. Now, did God establish uh, a resettling of the land of Israel, of Ephraim in particular, in 1587 A.D. Uh, and did we almost immediately go into captivity? Yes, we did. There were people who came over to Roanoke, I'm sure. I don't have evidence on this. But I suspect, at least, that they may have known the Sabbath and the holy days. 
Because those pilgrims who came in 1607, which is the official start time of the USA, uh, they did have the holy days in the Sabbath. They did not keep Christmas and Easter. And history shows that in uh, Rhode Island and a couple, three other colonies, uh, it was illegal to keep the holy days of the world, and they had the truth. But how long did it take before Satan began to get involved there, and anyone who kept the truth, they had a witch hunt for, and tried to wipe them out of existence. And Christmas and Easter became common, and the Sunday, Sab the Sunday Sabbath began. Uh, so some of those colonists had the truth when they got here. But it didn't last long, did it? Just as Jacob went into Mitzrayim with a high hand, with Joseph there, but that didn't last long, and they lapsed into slavery very quickly. So there's an awful lot of parallel between that captivity and that which we see ourselves in today, where all the so-called liberties that we thought we had have been taken away from us, and we are at the point of this country being destroyed. And the dynamics of that occurring are in play right now in 2017. One of the fast days of, uh, of Zechariah, uh, the one coming up on the seventh month, third day, was of the leader of Israel who had been appointed by Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, he wasn't in the king line or anything of Israel, but Gedaliah had been appointed by Nebuchadnezzar <coughs> to be the leader of those left behind in the captivity. Interestingly, some uh, people came and killed Gedaliah. Today, we're in a situation where our country is under siege, and we have quite a few people who are saying that Trump should be assassinated. So do we have a parallel here on a national level of what was happening there at the time that Israel was destroyed and it went into the 70-year captivity? Uh, that may be, because God says that we're going, going from this soft captivity, if you will, that we have been in, into an iron captivity. They had a, a soft yoke of wood around, uh, that's what we've had around our neck. And it's been there all along. Realize that Washington, D.C. was laid out in mystical form. <clears throat> it was laid out according to the Illuminati of the Masons and of the uh, secret societies. It's, it's, it's in the streets. It's, it's there. The all-seeing eye of God. Everything is there in the way that, lay it, uh, that uh, Washington was laid out. And they used Greco-Roman architecture of the Roman Empire. So George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, and some of our early heroes uh, were part of that. And Washington was known to be a mason. So our captivity on a soft level goes way, way, way back to the very beginnings of this nation. And now we are about to have a yoke of iron laid on us when the Assyrian comes into our land. <clears throat> Russia, China, and a great coalition against America are being formed as we speak today and will be attacking this nation very soon. Could it be 430 years after we came here? That is a very distinct possibility. 
God works in patterns. Now also consider, for the year 2017, <clears throat> the prophecy in Isaiah. You remember there that Israel and uh, Syria uh, formed a conspiracy to destroy Judah. And God explains that they weren't to worry, but within 65 years, Ephraim would be destroyed so that it was not a nation. Now, I tried to find a date that that might begin. It also, as it goes down, says that that is a sign that the nation will be destroyed. And after that, God gave another sign. He says that Emmanuel would be born, and that was another sign. Now, we learned that the name Emmanuel was to be used in the end time about 2006, I believe it was, and began to use that name because Matthew said that you were to call him Jesus, but they will call him Emmanuel. In Isaiah 7, it uses the name Emmanuel and goes forward from there into Isaiah 8 using Emmanuel. And is Christ not to be born in us, in our character, in our lives? Uh, a birth of Christ we are to be uh, as an example. So from the time that uh, we learned of that, it says before he would know right from wrong, this prophecy would be fulfilled. So you take a nine-month pregnancy and then you take time. I, there's no, nothing in the Bible that says when a child can truly know right from wrong. Now, you can begin teaching them when they're two, three, four years old right and wrong, uh, and they can understand a certain amount. Don't touch the stove. Don't, uh, you know, leave the door open. Turn off the light, whatever. <clears throat> but at what age do they really know on a social and cultural level and a religious level right from wrong? Uh, probably be a little older than that. So I think we're still within the realm of what Isaiah 7 was talking about, that these events would occur. So I kind of searched through uh, 1947, 48. Uh, the UN began in 1948, but within 65 years of that, it's already passed. Uh, someone pointed out that the Bilderbergers began in 1953. Uh, the Bilderbergers were established as a conspiracy to destroy this country in 1953. Uh, they included a lot of people who are known as Jews, but are probably not really Jews, but Edomites, uh, who God says in the book of Obadiah and other places will be used to uh, cause victory over Jacob, and that they will gloat having destroyed this nation of Ephraim and the other nations of Israel. So we have that coming up. And the Bilderbergers entered into that conspiracy. Now, the original Syria was over here, of course, as were all the beginning nations, but now there are some of them in the Middle East. And we see Assyria, I mean Syria, about to be taken over. America's been trying to take it over. But I think Iran is the real target. Uh, and once we have our way in Syria, then we will probably attack Iran and break its horn, as Daniel 8 seems to indicate, and then our horn will be broken. 
so that probably is coming up very, very shortly. Now, if 1953 and the conspiracy begun there, another conspiracy actually, but certainly a strong one by the Bilderbergers, uh, will within 65 years this nation be destroyed? 20, 2017 is 64 years, and it says before 65 years. <clears throat> so, if that be the marker, I'm not saying it is, but if it be, 2017 and possibly into 2018, if you consider God's year, ending in April, this nation will have been destroyed. And we see the build-up toward that. So, is that possible? Now let's go on. Uh, if that be the case, maybe the gathering will occur uh, at about the same time. You have to gather the people together, the leaders and the people, together in time to build the temple before the decree to build Jerusalem is given. So if 2017 marks the date when civil war will begin in this country, and Jeremiah 50 and 51 show that there will be violence in the land, ruler against ruler, in a civil war. Uh, it also shows during that period of time, uh, Jeremiah 50, 51 again, that the Assyrian will come into our land. <clears throat> Approximate same time the civil war is going on. Maybe civil war will, be, will break out as a result of some false flag event or an assassination or an EMP attack or whatever it might be that causes martial law to be declared and civil war to begin. Uh, that is very much on the table right now. Uh, so, and out of that civil war then comes the attack and the destruction of the nation. But you'd notice at the beginning of that prophecy in Jeremiah 51, it says people will come looking for Zion, fleeing before the Assyrian army. So if these events are to begin in late 17 and possibly go over into early 18 Gregorian calendar or 18 in God's calendar, then the flight and the gathering should occur uh, sometime about within the next 12 months. Now, Isaiah 53 and 54 give us a bit of an inkling. Well, 52 to 54. It says that the two witnesses will come to see eye to eye when God turns things around. Now, he says he'll turn them around in Zechariah 3 by causing signs and wonders to occur, and that will stir the people to come to those leaders through whom those signs and wonders occur. And if they're to get ahead of the northern army and get to safety in Zion and Jerusalem by that time, then they have to get started uh, pretty quickly now. Now, it appears from Isaiah 52, the timeline would be that some of those signs and wonders will begin. Then you have the Passover described in Isaiah 53. Then in Isaiah 54, it shows the gathering beginning immediately. People will come from all over, and for those children that we have lost, we will have new children to make up the difference. Ten percent of what was the church, Scripture indicates. 
So by Passover of 2018 in Gregorian calendar, it's very likely that the gathering will have begun. And maybe the civil war will already be raging, and the Assyrian will be knocking at the door and ready to invade by then. may have already started the invasion, and people will flee ahead of it, because it, it may take some time to come across the country. So I'm not saying exactly how that will work, but we have a general guideline there time-wise. And it does appear that the civil war, assassinations, uh, are about to begin in this nation. There comes the uh, prophecy in Amos, where God showed Amos a basket of summer fruit when the nation was about to be taken into captivity. And we have events leading up to this nation going into captivity very shortly now. And when Isaiah saw, I mean, uh, (laughs) Amos saw the basket of summer fruit, God said there will be no more delay. So are we indicating there the time of year that some of these things are going to begin to happen? Now, on the Internet, you can see articles that say that the Civil War has already begun because of these protests between the Democrats and the Republicans, the Trump followers and the Trump haters, or the Clinton lovers or Obama lovers. But this has already begun on a small scale. But it hasn't begun where all Americans are doing it. It makes me wonder if they really intend to confiscate all the guns or not. They may just go ahead and start a civil war and let us slaughter each other with the guns we already have. I mean, they threaten to take all the guns, but, uh, boy, if they could get Democrats and Republicans shooting each other, that in their estimation of the globalists, that would be a wonderful thing. Just kill each other off, because they want the population reduced by 90%. Many of them have said that. That's their goal and their purpose. Anyway, uh, let's go on down. If these events begin to happen in a major way this summer or late summer, because the basket of summer fruits might indicate the time that peaches and even toward fall apples come on, and some of the late summer and early fall fruit... It doesn't say, it just says a basket of summer fruit. And then we kind of have to interpret that that's late summer, early fall, I suppose. (coughs) Maybe late summer, based on summer fruit, not fall fruit. So if Roanoke happens, if uh, the 65 years of Isaiah 7 indeed be starting in 53, and civil war breaks out, uh, toward the end of this year, all this stuff is going to start coming down. Now, that would mean that if the gathering starts, let's say at Passover, or right after Passover of 18, end of 2017, <coughs> we have a time period there of 2018 to 2020 in which the temple would have to be built because that remnant of the people and the the leaders, the two witnesses, are told not to go to the world, but to go to the church, and that the temple is to be built. So we have that period of time where that would be being done. The gathering and the beginning of temple building in 2018 to 2020. Uh, Now, 
Let's go down to the bottom of the chart and work back the other way and see how this fits together because it's easier to count backward and, and see the events occurring. <laughs> so drop to the bottom line, 2027 at atonement. <coughs> Excuse me. Exactly 2,000 years after Christ proclaimed the Jubilee on 27 A.D. Uh, atonement... Christ would proclaim the Jubilee, and the millennium begins. Now, up one year, in 2026, Feast of Trumpets is the signification, would be the first resurrection. And it would begin the one-year honeymoon at the throne of God, because Christ marries his bride, which is symbolized by atonement. And Deuteronomy 24 says, he, if you marry, you're supposed to have a year to cheer up your wife and not work. So, if he's going to go to work and begin the millennium, the new heavens and earth come down uh, at the end of 2027, feast, the fall feast, feast of tabernacles time, then he will have been having his honeymoon with his bride from trumpets of, or actually atonement of 26, when the marriage would occur, <clears throat> until atonement of 27, when they would return and go to work. Now, that year of honeymoon could possibly be cut short because that's also the same year from 20, fall of 26 to fall of 27 that the seven last plagues would be occurring. And he says there in Matthew that if he didn't cut time short, there'd no flesh be saved alive. So it's very possible he cuts his honeymoon short a little bit and cuts that year short so that there'll be some flesh saved alive because the seven last plagues threatens all flesh. Armageddon doesn't before that uh, at all. But that does. All right, so if we go back to 2026 at Trumpets, we know that the two witnesses are killed three days, three and a half days, uh, before the end of the three and a half years, 42 months, and 1260 days. <clears throat> the resurrection occurs... Uh, three and a half days after they're killed in the streets of Jerusalem. So if we count back from Trumpets 2026, three and a half years, we come to approximately Passover of 2023. Now, Passover uh, would seem to be the time uh, for the flight. Remember, that's when they came out of Mitzrayim. They fled from captivity at that time, and that probably is the time of the Matthew 24 flight to Zion. It might be the day the tribulation begins. It'll also be the day that the temple is defiled. Jerusalem will be overrun and the temple defiled, and that will start the tribulation of Daniel 9. So, if we go back to that point... We know from Daniel 9 and the 70-week prophecy there that the temple will be defiled 70 weeks after the order to build Jerusalem. So if that <coughs> defilation occurs at Passover of 23, you count back <coughs> 70 weeks, which is a year and 18 months, that would give you, put you into the last part of 21, 
when the order to build Jerusalem of Daniel 9 is given. So that brings us back to the temple having to have been finished in order to turn to building Jerusalem. So from the last part, maybe the fall of 2021, Jerusalem will start to be built. And from fall of 21 back to sometime around 2018 will be the time that the temple itself is built, both spiritually and physically. The 10% spiritual temple coming and the beginning of the physical temple. So it's pretty jam-packed if you look at 2,000 years from the time uh, that Christ proclaimed the Jubilee until two full days in 1,000-year increments occur at Atonement of 2027. And everything in between there fits in perfectly. Now, there's some things that I've left out of this chart that seem uh, important as well that I didn't, I kind of overlooked and didn't get in here. Uh, they'll probably come out at some time. But uh, what do you think? Now, let me add something that I could have put on here and didn't. Uh, let's consider this little group for a moment. Remember, John Reitenbaugh on the first Sabbath of Church of the Great God gave a sermon entitled, Do You See God in Your Life? And his instruction there that was, we better see God in our life. If we don't see God in our life, we better find God and be sure we do find Him in our life. So, as a follow-up on that, uh, I want to consider this little group that we have and how it might fit and how we might see God in it. Now, we may have, from all these 70-year increments of all these things that happened 70 years after they happened with Herbert Armstrong, they happened with us. Now, the church, Worldwide Church of God, came to a final number that is used by most people of about 150,000, right? That's the name that's used, or the number that's used most of the time when describing worldwide by nearly every group or whoever talks about it. About 150,000. Now, God says 10% of that will come to build the latter temple. That would be approximately then 150,000. 15,000. <coughs> Might be plus or minus depending on how God counts the 150. 150,000 included uh, unconverted mates, children, cats and dogs, or whatever came to the feast was included in that 150. So there's some room there. Elijah, God was, God told Elijah 8,000 had not bowed their knee to Baal. And Paul used that same number in the New Testament of 8,000. So who knows whether 150,000 is the true number or whether the 10% will be derived from that 8,000 or maybe even 1,000 from each tribe, which would be 12,000. So there's a little room to work in there that God hasn't absolutely uh, nailed down for us. But let's use that 150, since it's a general term that most people recognize. Now, we began in, on trumpets of, of uh, 2000 with a phone broadcast that went out 
there were three of us at headquarters in Colorado at that time, uh, Marla and I and Andy Benedetto, and the rest were on the phone line. But come, that was on trumpets, but come Feast of Tabernacles, through the summer when I was fired, quit from uh, uh, Church of the Great God in, in July of 2000, people began to wonder why I was not with Church of the Great God anymore and began to call. So that by trumpets, enough had asked to come to the feast and wanted us to start uh, a church, or not specifically a church, but to have a broadcast. And I had said I did not intend to start a church, but they wanted to come to the feast and they wanted to have a, an online service. So the first one was Trumpets of 2000. And by the time the feast rolled around, 70 people showed up for the feast in 2000. Interesting number, is it not? Where is that? Isn't there a scripture about Christ's disciples numbered the, the 12 plus those with him about 70? I don't remember where that is. I didn't look it up. <clears throat> but anyway, first year we had 70. Second year, 120 showed up. Now that one I remember. In Acts 1, it says that there were about 120 waiting for Pentecost uh, of all the disciples. So 120 comes into play as an important number because that's the number that were there on Pentecost uh, in Acts 2 when the church began. The next year, we went up to 150. Now that's 0.01 or 0.001% of, of 150,000, if you do the math. So our biggest number was 150. Now the next year, I believe it was the next year, might have taken two years, but I think it was the next year, a year or two anyway, it dropped back to 120. So I went from 70 to 120 to 150, then it dropped back to 120, and then from there it dropped back to 70. Now after it went to 70, more recently now, we're down to approximately 15. Now, I find that very interesting. Now, it may not be any parallel at all, but is there any parallel between all those increments of 70 years in any events? What if God is using this little group, which now doesn't amount to hardly anything, as a microcosm of what is happening to the greater church of God? If we went to 150 and the church went to 150,000, and it goes down to 15,000, and we go to 15, the numbers are there. The numbers are there. So when God says it'll be reduced 90%, when it went from 150 down to the 10,000, approximately 15,000, or whatever it is, <coughs> that's a 90% reduction, right? Our greatest number was about 150. If we go down to 15, that's a 90% reduction, right? Is God using us as an example or a microcosm of the rest of the church? I think there's a possibility of that. It does say there in Isaiah 54 that when the people begin to gather to build a temple, we'll be given many, many children to make up for the ones that we've lost. 
says, stretch your tent out. Make it bigger. Make it ready. And it even says that they will say the place is too small for them. We need room. And God says, okay, you'll have seven villages with much men and cattle. So my projection is that this piece of property God gave us will be the beginning for the gathering because I'm, I have no doubt He led us to it. And the numbers and the times were right. <laughs> for when we got it, for when we divided it and began a, a, an actual work when we divided it in January of 2003. Same time the church was formally organized in 1933, 70 years before. So I think there's a very, very real possibility that that is the case. God spoke of a rebellion at Anatoth. He says that they will be cast out and go into the tribulation. Are we not now in the throes of a rebellion at Anatoth? And have we not been reduced to 10% of what we were? <coughs> Is there a story there? Here we are in 2017, and if you pick it up on this chart, it does appear that 27 or 2017 and early 2018 are the beginnings of the major uh, moves that are about to occur in the nation. It's already occurred in the church. We saw the leader maybe assassinated in 1986. We have a leader in the nation now that is uh, on schedule to be assassinated if some people have their way. <laughs> They're talking about it. I'm not. Don't get me wrong. I want to clarify that. But people are. Democrats are. Uh, the Clinton-Obama followers are. <laughs> and this is leading very possibly to a very hot summer and a basket of summer fruit and major events occurring in the nation just as they have already occurred in the church where it has been spewed out and reduced and gone into spiritual captivity in the sword. Now the nation is about to go into spiritual captivity, famine and the sword, and literal physical captivity. Everything seems to be pointing to this next six to twelve months. That's why I decided to give this information today, is because we may be on the very cusp of these things happening, and I think that the events leading up to it and all the numbers from Christ's ministry and his proclamation in 27, and 1900 years later, and then from 1986 when Herbert Armstrong died to 2027, or no, from the time he was called in 27, 26-27, to Christ's return in the millennium is another 100 years. So 4,000 years from 27 A.D. back, 2,000 years after, you have exactly 6,000 years and then a seven, then a thousand-year period of the millennium. So I believe Herbert Armstrong was right. We have exactly seven or six thousand years before the millennium begins. And using these numbers and the jubilees and the numbers work, work out perfectly, he has to be back in the millennium start by 2027. And if you count back from that and from trumpets at 26, it fills up. There's no extra gap in there from 27, 2018 until that time. It's all going to be full. It'll be the temple building, Jerusalem building, uh, the tribulation, and then trumpets.
three and a half years later. So you may have questions on that. Uh, one other thing I had up in the upper right, I think that those chapters prior to 39 and 39 of Isaiah represent Herbert Armstrong and the work he did and how he had a heart attack and God gave him more time. And his sons would be eunuchs in, uh, after that. And he says, okay, there'll be peace in my time. And after he died, or was killed, I think, uh, in 86, uh, his sons, those of us who were in the church, in the ministry, essentially became eunuchs. We could do nothing. Nothing has been done since 1986. Some people have tried to re recreate worldwide, and they can't seem to get it done. They're spinning their wheels. Uh, they're not really growing. They're just members of ex-members of worldwide who are in other groups now. But nothing significant, use that term, nothing significant in terms of preaching to the world or church growth has occurred at all by any group. That will not happen until the two witnesses are called and the gathering occurs with them and then a work will begin and then it will go to the world as a whole at the beginning of the tribulation, which probably will be around Passover of 23. But in Isaiah 40, another work begins. Uh, and it is the end time work. A proclamation uh, that Christ is going to wither and all flesh basically die, but to give comfort and good news to the church that there is a way out. And it goes on from there, from Isaiah 40 on through. So that is the beginning of the new work that may have begun in 1996 when God began to give the message of good news, bad news and then good news for the church, bad news and then good news of the millennium for the world. Maybe I'm sticking my neck out there and people think this is all vanity and ego. Uh, think what you want. Herbert Armstrong wasn't a bit bashful to proclaim what God was using him to do. So, I'm just presenting the information here. You do what with it you want. It may or may not work out this way. I don't know. I'm not claiming any office until God shows that that office is there. Okay? I'm not going to claim that. Uh, but here's the facts. Do with them as you please. These things happened. 